This is Miss Ayanna Burnett with Reflections from the Red Chair. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Ha <laughs> ha, how you living, great ones. Oh, today, I want to start a little different. I absolutely love books. I always have, and I still like to grab the physical copy, the fill of the page, and even just the vibe of a library brings me lots of joy and happiness. So I was going through my library, and there is a passage I want to share today. It comes from the complete works of Florence Shin. Um, Within this book, there are actually one, two, three, four other books. Uh, If you haven't read her, please do. She's absolutely amazing. She's most known for this book called The Game of Life and How to Play It. Literally will blow your mind. It is a highly recommended book. And especially if you are one who is a follower of the Bible um, or just of kind of Christianity in general, that is the book for you to read. It's amazing how she breaks down the uh, like practical application for, for scripture uh, in that book and biblical stories. But Today, I just want to read it. This one is an excerpt from her book, The Word is Your Want, and it's on marriage, which I thought again was appropriate as we are here in the month of February, coming close to Valentine's Day. Um, what I'm going to do is going to, it's a really short passage, so I'm going to read the entire thing to you, but then I'm going to back up and tell you the part that I want us to spend some time focusing on today. So here we go marriage. She writes, unless marriage is built upon the rock of oneness, it cannot stand. Quote, two souls with but a single thought, two hearts that beat as one. End quote. The poet understood this, for unless man and wife are living the same thoughts or living in the same thought world, they must inevitably drift apart. Thought is a tremendous vibratory force, and man is drawn to his thought creations. For example, a man and a woman married and were apparently happy. The man became successful and his tastes improved. But the wife still lived in a limited consciousness. Whenever the man bought anything, he went to the best shops and selected what he needed regardless of price. Whenever the wife went out, she hunted the five and ten cent stores. He was living in thought on Fifth Avenue and her thought world was on Third Avenue. Eventually, the break and separation came. We see this so often in the cases of rich and successful men who desert their faithful, hardworking wives later in life. The wife must keep pace with her husband's taste and ambitions and live in his thought world. 
For where a man thinketh in his heart, there he is. For there is for each person his other half or divine selection. These two are one in their thought worlds. These two whom God has joined together and no man shall or can part asunder. The twain shall be made one, for in the superconscious mind of each is the same divine plan. Thus ends the reading. But I want to go back to this, this just the last part, right? There is for each person his other half or divine selection. These two are one in their thought worlds. For in the superconscious mind of each is the same divine plan. I absolutely loved the wording of that last sentence. The idea of two being one in superconscious mind, right? So we oftentimes do widely talk about subconscious that which is kind of going on and at play like someone in the basement right of our minds but we don't actually talk a whole lot about superconscious at least not necessarily using that word right so you could think of superconscious as being that which is you know connected to to god or that which you know receives the divine mind um download receives the divine download, right, from divine mind um, or that which is connected to um, higher consciousness, right? That larger aspect of ourselves that is connected to that amazing mystical uh, force that is is all-knowing, right? And therefore, when we have access to that, we can know too. So just a brief definition of what superconscious is kind of just from my perspective but it it, ah that just makes sense though right when you look and even too in a lot of the the couples that I am honored to serve it's amazing when you can be able to look especially say if they have uh, separated or the relationship has shifted and people are sitting and trying to figure out like you know well how did this happen and the thing that's amazing is that these moments are still not without love, right? These shifts come not because there is a void of love. There's, there's still love there, but it's just not actualized. And they're trying to understand why, like why things have become so contentious and so full of, of conflict, you know, between them and their, their beloved, right? And it's amazing to be able to sit and to see that their wounds match, right? That's how even, too, you can still have, like, the wonderful intensity in the bedroom, right? But yet outside of it, like, oh, my God, like, what's going on? We just can't even seem to talk, you know? Like, what, what's up with that? Your wounds match, right? That's what's up with that. Your wounds match. So, so many times when we are initially attracted to someone, we are attracted from the place of those subconscious wounds, which is basically old pain, right? The, the old pain that is still 
open and festering, although we're not looking at it and it may be somewhat invisible to us, but it's internal. So it's very much still, you know, vibrationally um, resonating. We will attract others with matching wounds. And why would we do this, right? Oh my God, like that doesn't even sound kosher. Like, why would we attract someone with a matching wound? Well, it's actually fairly simple. We attract someone with a matching wound to heal the wound. Right? That's how our subconscious or our inner psyche works, is that, Leo, this is still here. In order for us to evolve, we need to be able to work through this. And the only way to now make it visible right, is to now attract this other amazing being and almost kind of somewhat deceive us. But then that allows you to invest, right, into a process and to to stay, right, in the journey long enough before you avoid it so that then this conflict rises. But the conflict is really a mirror for the wound. And the wound is actually shared between both individuals. It's pretty amazing. Now, it may be expressed differently. So that's the key thing, right? That's where they look like opposites because they may express it differently. But when you get to the core false belief, they match every time. <laughs> like literally, I can't make this stuff up, y'all. It matches every time. Like the way the universe moves is such perfection. It's just not aligned with our expectations, right? So that's why we got to kind of open our minds so that we can really observe the patterns of of universal flow and just see um, what they're up to because I tell you every time that you look, it's absolutely amazing. Okay, but I'm getting really excited and I digress. So that's what I mean by the idea that oftentimes we will attract a beloved and our wounds match. The only problem is, is that when your your wounds match and you're not able to heal through those wounds together, then you don't match in your super conscious, right? You're actually not matching in your higher thought. And if you're not matching in your higher thought, then, you know, according to Miss Florence here, Miss Florence Shin, then again, a break, quote unquote, is inevitable because your lives are going to be moving in different paths, in different directions, right? You're not going to be able to create parallel lives. You're not going to be able to co-design your life. If at the end of the day, the divine plan that you each are operating out of is out of sync. Right? Makes you look at soulmates a little bit differently. I mean, just makes you look at relationships in general. I feel like, honestly, the framework that we have been given at large with relationships misses this type of information that is so invaluable to be able to walk into love a little bit more awake and aware of the ebb and flow that very well is upon you, right? We're, we're just so quick to be able to assume that you meet the one and we should have this happily ever after, but happily ever after is a little bit more complicated because as I said in one of my earlier podcasts, it really brings you back to looking at your relationship with yourself. And if you have been running from your own emotional terrain, 
trust me, the one place that there will be a perfect storm created simply to undo that, to bring you face to face with your truth so that there can be improvement is through relationship. They're mirrors. Just some thoughts to be able to share. May you process that. And may it feed you in the days ahead. Perhaps giving you a new perspective when you are reflecting about maybe some past relationships and also preparing for the next. Or even just looking to grow the one that you're in. Until next time. Be light.